Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big money at There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Man, all those Old West stuff. It's like trying to work out if I could do that Old West noise. Yeah, give it a like, shot. I can't really do it. It's not bad. It's not. It's really not for a Queens boy. That's not bad. But, I'm from the city. All right, Marcus. What do you got? Can you do uh, it? Yeah. Hell yeah. Fuck. Of course yeah. I, of do course it. I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> That's loud. I don't know how to feel. Are you going to get kicked out of your apartment? Yeah, man. Oh, my fucking landlord is it? No. He, you know what? He owes me. I had to put, up, right. a Welcome to yes. put up with a fucking yes. burst pipe last night, so he fucking owes me. This is what All I'm talking right. about. I like bitter markets. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. What a fantastic episode we have for you today. We are on to Billy the Kid, part two. And I want to preface this before Marcus even dives in. This is the story that Marcus was born to tell. It really is. <laughs> this is the story because I didn't fully understand the Lincoln County War and how badass it was until then. And now, now I'm I'm here. I'm hey, here. I'm a I fucking old Westhead now. I grew up <laughs> a, a Westie. Good, good, good. No, I grew up with this story. Like I, I fuck, I love the Lincoln County War story. Now my question is, is that why? And every other documentary series and these historical, the series that we've been doing all summer, we've been doing history series. Why? Only Old West historians dress like they're from the Old West. Because <laughs> it's a style that never goes out of fashion. Hello there. As long as people greet one another, there's going to be Westies out there. It's just a yeah. man who looks like me with an even tinier cowboy hat on and like a little neck scarf going like, you wouldn't believe the type of shenanigans that Billy the Kid could get himself into and out of. <laughs> you wait until I go through my phase. And don't forget about the mustache. No yes. one in this earth has a fucking better mustache than a Wild West historian. That's true. They all are just, they all want to be Wyatt Earp so fucking bad. So bad. That's all yeah. they want in this world. Well, More got, like Wyatt Blurp. Yes, indeed. They've got to curl <laughs> something as they contemplate who to kill in town next. All right, let's get on to part two of Billy the Kid. 
So when we last left Billy the Kid, he'd found himself in Lincoln County, New Mexico as a former member of a horse thieving gang called the Boys. And he was about to participate in a jailbreak to free one of the leaders of the Boys, Jesse Evans. It is so fun. I also didn't understand how big Lincoln County was. Jai fucking uh, Gannett. It's really crazy just how how much area they took up. It was like, like I want to say a quarter of New Mexico. Wow. I thought it was just like one little spot. No, it's the bottom. It's essentially the bottom right corner of New Mexico. Okay. Now, in 1877, Lincoln was the largest county in America, territorial or otherwise. Located in southeastern New Mexico and bordering the Texas panhandle, this gorgeous playground of violence spanned 30,000 square miles. Spread out across that land were relatively new white settlements, established Mexican towns, and the many tribes who made up what was collectively known as the Apache. As such, ethnic tensions were high in Lincoln County when Billy the Kid arrived. But as far as Billy was concerned, he was fluent in Spanish, he defied quote-unquote gringo laws at every turn, and he humiliated law enforcement and military officials by constantly escaping every single time he was arrested. Certain well-known gringo laws are um, nothing above mild. No! <laughs> it's illegal not. to serve anything above mild. I will never forget one of my most embarrassing white man moments. Hmm. I walked into the dispensary that I love to go to out here. It's called Roots! And I asked them if they had anything in sativa form that was not jalapeno. Because there was a jalapeno edible that I got. And I literally told him it was too spicy for me. And it's it's an edible. And uh, he looked at me like I was the whitest thing he's ever seen, which is accurate. And I felt shame. And then I ordered the jalapeno. And then I got home and I ate one. And I was like, it is still too hot. But I was shamed into it. But you like hot food. It is just something about the weed. I don't need my candy. To be spicy. Therefore, even before the Lincoln County War to come, Billy the Kid was already becoming a hero to the Hispanic population in New Mexico. Hmm. In fact, they already had a nickname for Billy, although you might debate as to whether or not it was well-meaning. They called him... El Chivato. Oh, I mean, I'd take it. What does it mean? <laughs> now, in Caribbean Spanish, El Chivato means snitch. Hmm. Oh. But, on the other hand, fanny means vagina in British English, and doodle is a child's way of referring to a penis in Australia. So, <laughs> words don't always have the same meaning across the language board, you know? And they say we're American-centric on this show. <laughs> What a wonderful uh, way to explain that, Marcus. Yeah. Thank you. Of course. But with the help of my native Spanish-speaking wife, we think that to the Mexican Spanish speakers of New Mexico, El Chivato is probably a combination of the word chavo, yeah. which means kid, and oh, the word sure. chivo, which means goat, or more accurately, billy goat. Ergo, mm. a more literal translation of Billy the Kid's nickname of El Chivato would be goat child. Or Billy Goat the Kid. That actually wow. makes sense, though, because he was a survivor. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he was one of those ornery. highly ornery, highly uh, adaptable. Could move mm-hmm. into a lot of different scenarios, made friends and enemies everywhere he went. I also like the other name, which was Belito. That's yeah, kind of cute. Ooh, that's cool, too. <laughs> Never saw a tin can he didn't want to eat. I love Billy the Goat Kid. So you'd say he'd like he's like the Gabriel Iglesias of Lincoln County. Sure. 
okay. In, the as, fluffy. As, <laughs> I was thinking that Russell Peters would do well, given all the different uh, sort of ethnic backgrounds. Russell Peters, like you gave it to a British person again. <laughs> well, Russell, of all of the fucking things you could give, this is an American story. You gave it to another fucking British person. Russell Peters is a man of the world, isn't he? Though? <laughs> oh no, he's not British. I'm thinking, who's the who's the guy with the big hair? We You're could do this all day. You're thinking of Russell, uh, the guy with the big hair. Russell, Russell with the Brand. big hair. Oh, yes. Brand. All right. Oh, yeah. Russell Peters is American. I like him. Okay. Yeah. Very good. I don't think he is American. Fuck. <laughs> now, concerning the violence in Lincoln County, New Mexico, drunken killings and maimings were fairly routine. And when Billy the Kid arrived there, the largest county in America didn't even have a jail. Mm. But Freedom, 18- man. That's yeah. called freedom, bro. Yeah, but it's also like it's called being held hostage every time you go out to the bar at gunpoint. Nah, doc. You gotta Sometimes be funny, man. You gotta be able to dance on a board, dude. You gotta be able to love to whistle. Again, you just saw Back to the Future. That Ooh. is not a documentary. <laughs> I mean, it's really close to anarchy out there uh, in the Old West. I mean, New Mexico at this time, like it's a territorial government, so there are government officials around. But for the most part, yeah, it, it's it's there's a lot of anarchy happening out there. All there's right. a lot of people dying. Some people mm. make it. Some people don't. Okay. But in 1877, the first jail was constructed, and one of the first people to be housed within its walls was Jesse Evans of the Boys, mm. who'd been arrested and caged for horse theft. I learned a couple of things about horse theft. Do you know that in Pennsylvania, it is uh, customary, they made it, uh, they made it, uh, one of the main punishments for horse theft was cropping, which is they cut your ears off and nail your ears to a fucking post. I've heard of that. Yeah. Horse theft was very serious, at least personal horse theft, like what Billy the Kid and all and the boys were doing, like they were stealing from, you know, extremely wealthy landowners. They were stealing from the military. It was but business. You, yeah, it was. But if you stole just some dude's horse, yeah, you get fucking killed or yeah, made. I, I just watched. I just watched the movie Seven, and if you would have stolen that main enemy's horse, he would have been like, "You want to ride the horse?" Yeah, and then you got to—he'd put the horse shoes on you, and then he'd <laughs> eat all the corn, and then he'd ride you, and he'd be yeah. like, "Which this is the sin of not taking an Uber." Some bullshit. <laughs> so, in the wee hours of the morn on November seventeenth. 20 members of the boys, including Billy the Kid, entered the county seat of Lincoln County, which was not so imaginatively also called Lincoln. These people are Lincoln fans. <laughs> Damn. Hell, I grew up in Haskell County. County seat there, Haskell. It's just fucking there. They just sometimes don't feel like it. Also, I was reading about the nature of this prison where it was just a big hole in the ground that they just put logs on top of. <laughs> That's this the prison? Is, this prison was like rough. Like they, yeah. it was a dugout prison, so they had dug a big trench, and then they basically stuck iron bars in a trench, and then put tar-covered logs on top of it. So you're just outside the New Mexico sun. Ooh, yeah, horrible. a lot of yeah, a lot of buildings around this time were dugouts. My first uh, ancestors in this area also lived in dugouts. Dugouts were pretty popular around then. All right. Now this jail was a somewhat slapped together structure, as Henry said, most likely because Lincoln County didn't take the law all that seriously, from what I can tell. So after the boys and the kids showed up and stuck their guns in the face of the jailer, they were able to knock down the wooden door of the cell containing Jesse Evans with little more than sacks filled with rocks. You know what's the main <laughs> thing that I, I, which also was very distinctive about all of this shit? They had a lot of planning. They did yeah. a lot of planning for a lot of this shit. Like, they really were fairly organized. And I don't know if it was because a lot of them had just got done fighting the Civil War and were essentially just, like, trained soldiers. or like. But the boys literally were a bunch of children that kind of, like, 
they gave each other commands and they knew what to do. Like one would hold up the jailers. The other would go like do the big sack of, sack of rocks and bash yep. against the door. Like it's, <laughs> it's well, fun. Let's, let's not forget when one of the guys, yeah, he went out, he went a little rogue and he just yelled Leroy Jenkins. And then he ran in there and everyone's like, oh, God <laughs> damn it, good. Leroy. It's <laughs> really good. If you recall what happened. That was a fantastic little, yep. little video fun, there. It's a good memory. Thing. Very Leroy. famous thing for about 10 years ago. Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> yep. It is an internet meme of sorts. Yeah. It seems the some, some, some would say played out. <laughs> <laughs> well, concerning the boys, like, I mean, they're a street gang, just like any other street gang that's existed throughout human history. And they have just as much they have just as much experience putting shit together and um, organizing plans as uh, any other street gang. Yeah. And they have this. They have the same uh, success and fail rate as any other street um, gang. Okay. Yeah. Now, once Jesse Evans was released. The boys resumed stealing livestock, and Billy the Kid did the same, except on his own. He's going solo. About a month after the Evans jailbreak, Billy was caught stealing two horses that belonged to an Englishman named John Tunstall. You will unhand those horses. (laughs) Oh my God, what are you going to do? Maybe I'll hire you. Yeah, damn, I don't um, want a job. Hop on my knee. No. You young Billy Goat. Oh, job. no. I don't like to be the boy anymore. Now, after his arrest, Billy was held in the same jail where the Jesse Evans jailbreak had occurred. And Billy fully expected to get the exact same treatment from the young men that he considered his pals. But as the days piled up, it became obvious that the boys weren't coming. Why aren't they helping out Billy the Kid? Because Billy the Kid had a, you know, people did like him. They did ingratiate themselves to him. But he also was a dude that would also very handily say, like, I'm going to go do my own shit. Peace. Yeah. So he yeah. kind of <laughs> technically broke up with the boys and then kind yeah. of did the half expecting thing of like, but come on. <laughs> Remember last week? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Held that with Jesse. All right. So Billy the Kid told the jailer that he would testify against the boys in exchange for his own freedom, which put him at odds with his former gang. And his former gang was also about to be at odds with Billy's new employer. See, Billy never testified against the boys because he didn't need to. John Tunstall, the wronged party in Billy's arrest, not only dropped the charges, but also offered Billy a job on his ranch because again the kid was just that charming he somehow talked himself out of jail into a job that is like if richard ramirez breaks into your house and you're like you know what we could actually use a cleaning person. <laughs> do you want to stay? Do you want to come by on Tuesdays? That is insane. Well, the man committed a felonious act, and they're like, you got what we need here. Because he did. Because yeah. it's like how the FBI hires hackers that break yeah. into their systems. It's because, from my understanding, I think it's actually very difficult to steal horses. It seems that it's like a you have to like kind of build yourself up to it. You have to be fast. You have to be de- decisive. You have to figure out how to do it. Also, like, you how do you take the- a horse against its will? Yeah, to, with you someplace. I have no fucking clue how you do that besides just like pull on its pecker until you become its wife. You put a little <laughs> carrot in your mouth and then the horse eats a little carrot and then you guys kiss. See, that's worse than touching its penis. <laughs> no, it's not. And then and then the horse says, that kiss is pretty nice. And then he says, you know what? You don't even have to take me. You can have me. <laughs> I hate this. That I dislike. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's Henry's is a physical affair and Ben's is an emotional affair. Yes, I feel like mine is more cut, like, cut and dry. It's more transactional. Just want to pull yeah. But he needed these guys. Well, because also the nature of these, these businesses were like, it's all half legal, half illegal. Yeah. Now, unbeknownst to Billy, 
he'd been dropped into the middle of a feud that would, three months <gasps> later, erupt into what was called the Lincoln County War, which Damn. I will now do my very best to explain in the simplest way possible. Oh, this I'm is, so excited for this. This is Marcus Parks's like, Hall of Fame moment. This oh, is his Bobby Bonilla <laughs> lining up to sign that contract to make a million dollars a year for 15 years. This is his, like, this is his moment. All right. Yeah, no. I mean, it's, the stakes aren't that high. More, it's, it's just like, this is me just trying my best to not get a call from my father telling me all the things, all the places where I was wrong. Let me tell you what. I'm <laughs> actually, and, you know, he becomes more and more Texan as it goes. He's, he's an like, expert at this shit. When I knew when I looked at our history books. It's where my love of history comes from. My father is a fucking Wild West historian. I disagree with the preface that this is not high stakes for you, Marcus. That's the highest stakes you've ever said on this podcast. If Papa Parks gets upset, this show is done. So let's make sure. Because he'll ground him. He'll ground Marcus and he won't be able to leave his room. I know. The Lincoln County War. Let's get into that. See, after the Civil War, it wasn't just former Confederate soldiers who settled New Mexico. The opportunities to make money also attracted men with wealth and without conscience. And these men profited off the land and its people with the aid of unscrupulous bankers, corrupt officials, mm. and all manner of armed men. Now, you, you add words like unscrupulous and corrupt and armed but I think that if you just took all of those words away, they just still imply what was in the Wild West. There are just <laughs> bankers, officials, and men. Right. And they all have guns. They are all unscrupulous. And they are all corrupt. If you're in the Wild West, I don't know who was like... Like, there was, was there honest men? Of, in, oh, yeah, there must have been of a few. course there were. There absolutely there was plenty of honest men throughout the Wild Most people in the Old West were honest and were trying to just make a way for themselves and just make a living. It's just the fuckers up top. Like Always. the men we're about to talk about that are that were the most evil. Because okay. you know what a lot of people say hope floats, but you know what else floats? Shit. Yes, it does. <laughs> well, if you're on a healthy diet. Well, guys like this basically controlled everything in New Mexico. And in Lincoln County, there were two men who had a stranglehold on most businesses in the region. And these two men were working in concert with each other. Hard drinking, aggressive Irishmen both. The bosses of Lincoln County were Lawrence Murphy and James Dolan. That's Jamie Dolan! <laughs> I have to say this one time, that is the owner of MSG, the New York Knicks, then the New York Rangers. James Dolan is the worst owner in sports. I've had to say that I won't reference it again, and I hate him so much, and I hope he goes away forever. His band is also horrible. Oh, yeah, that's right, the guy James with the James Dolan band. and the Hot Shots. JD and the Hot Shots. He missed the NBA draft so he could paper a fucking room that still didn't sell out so he could play his horrible rock music. The man is nepotism personified, and he's everything wrong with this country. I'm done with my James Dolan rant. Thank you. Noted. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Now, it would be somewhat of a stretch to call Murphy and Dolan organized crime figures. See, instead of profiting off crime, they used crime as a business tool, using everything from fraud to intimidation to murder to further their cattle outfit and their store. They're mm. Americans. They are just people that decided to like that was a that there's a fun argument. There was a one very dry documentary series I watched <laughs> called The War in Lincoln County. Yeah, you that, like them wet. I know how you like your doc. Oh, series. I do. I do. I prefer to leave a doc hard. But these guys talk about these two as that because, again, they're not crime figures. They were these are the men that made America. Okay. Yeah. And so they understood immediately like, oh, you kind of have to live in the gray. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very much live in the gray, and you have to use guns. 
a lot. <laughs> yes, okay. and kill people. Well, I guess that's but, the gray. I don't yeah. know what that is. Mm-hmm. But when it came to ways that Murphy and Dolan could be compared to organized crime, these guys were also fucking loan sharks. And they would employ gangs of cattle rustlers to increase their stock from time to time. And they would use these same gangs to enforce their will on the people. And one of the main gangs that they would go to was the boys. The boys. It's just so nice back then businessmen went to the boys and they were a gang as opposed to businessmen now. Just go to boys. <laughs> At least they hired them. Yes. Before, you know, That's very nice. instead of just different them. <laughs> different times indeed. Were those uh was the term roughnecks? Is that who you're was is that a cattle wrangler? Is that where that term comes from? No, That's Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, rough, you're thinking, actually, Henry, you're thinking of Rough Rider, and Ben Roughneck is more of an oil uh, worker term. All fuck right. all of this shit. And fuck. <laughs> this is, he's I the just, master. It's true. Really I mean, I, mean, I forget. I'm you're sorry. I forgot. No, I know. I know. I forget. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm a student of life. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry for everything. <laughs> now, to the people of Lincoln County, Murphy and Dolan's outfit was known simply as the house because all of their business was done from one gigantic structure smack dab in the middle of Lincoln. But the house's malfeasance wasn't limited to local government. They were also associated with a statewide organization of corrupt government officials known as the Santa Fe Ring. This is what we will call later on in various series that we'll do throughout the year is that we hope to do B-team Illuminatis. Hmm. Yes. Where it's like they made a a group effort knowing they they made a group effort to say, we're going to control the state. Mm -hmm. And then as this shit gets legitimized, like once this becomes solidified as a state, it goes from a territory to being a a part of the United States, we'll then be the ones in charge. Mm. The Santa Fe ring included the territorial governor of New Mexico, the district attorney of Lincoln County, a smattering of judges territory wide, Mm. and at the bottom, the sheriff of Lincoln County, William Brady. Damn, so they had this thing pretty well locked up from a power perspective. Oh, yeah, they thought they did. Yeah, and since Sheriff Brady was James Dolan's man on the ground, Brady had already had a run-in with Billy the Kid, Mm. and he had, in fact, confiscated a Winchester rifle from Billy before the Kid had even heard of James Dolan, Lawrence Murphy, John Tunstall, any of this shit. Now, the house got a piece of everything that everyone did in Lincoln County when it came to business. And if you were friendly to the house, Murphy and Dolan's generosity knew no bounds. Mm. But if you made yourself their enemy, Mm. they had no problem with sending a posse of potentially murderous men to change your mind. But there was a bunch of, which is honestly scarier than men, which is 17-year-olds. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I think we referenced the movie Them. Did we reference that in the last episode? I mean, all the time. Being horrified by teenagers is a, it is, that is why the- Teenagers uh, have no scruples. they They have no soul. No, they have nothing to live for. Sometimes they come back. Do you remember that? Fucking yes, zombie yes. teenagers coming zombie back to teenage. kill everyone. Yeah. That was really scary. So I just remember the high school that I used to live across the street from in New York. And I was always <laughs> so scared because sometimes they'd make fun of my clothes as I walked uh, on the street. And I knew that I have to go, yes, yes, and oh. laugh along with it. Because if not, I didn't know when they'd all decide to turn on me because they're all just all full of hormones. When I was in Minneapolis, <laughs> I hung out with my three-year-old goddaughter. She called me a poopy butt. And dare I say, it kind of hurt. Honestly, um, <laughs> yeah. she's correct. I, I know. I know. You yeah, are yeah. a poopy butt. Oh, buddy. <laughs> All right. 
Well, it was into this power structure that we see the entrance of John Tunstall, a 24-year-old, well-heeled Londoner who had just arrived in New Mexico, fresh off of amicably splitting from a successful merchant family so he could make his own way in life. He's a rich the, boy, but still a rich boy on his own. Well, okay. he, he definitely was of a mind that he's like, well, I'm well-bred. And I wear correct clothes. And simply, we can deal with all of this legally. Can't we, Japs? <laughs> like, he is very proper. Yes. Like, he is this idea that, like, we, he's like, I am just here as, as a business venture, as you are, yes. you tiny young Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> My father runs mercantile in British Columbia. Perhaps we can come to an agreement here. Well, sir. that's not going to be We can come to some form of agreement. <laughs> I just realized if I was alive back then, I would have shot him. <laughs> I can't deal with that. Remember, John Tunstall, he's only 24 years old. He's like, you know, maybe six years older than so, Billy the Kid. John Tunstall is always portrayed, and for some reason, every single Billy the Kid yes. movie, he's always portrayed as this, you know, Kindly gentlemanly man, old, man. Uh, old man, like an Terrence old Stamp British man. In, yeah. uh, in Young Guns, where he's yeah, just he's him just being like, Billy, I sometimes look at you as my son. And like, meanwhile, it's <laughs> That is not. the American fetishization of the British male. <laughs> yes, yeah. it is just another boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, Tunstall's goal was to start a cattle outfit of his own and to open a mercantile store in Lincoln County. So, with the help of an attorney named Alexander McSween and a cattleman named Chisholm, John Tunstall <laughs> went into direct competition with the house. And the uh -oh. house, remember, that's Lawrence Murphy and James Dolan. Now, at this point, the house was on shaky financial ground. And half of the house, Lawrence Murphy, was dying of cancer. But even in a weakened state, the house was still a dangerous animal. Perhaps even more so. So, do you, do you think dying of cancer in the Old West, like what that must have been like? That must have been ugh. fucking horrible. Oh, it's probably just similar to now. Just leaking, just like shivering and stuff, where they just keep pouring bourbon on you. Yeah, and the fuck it, the tumors start forming themselves underneath the skin, and they start getting bigger and bigger. And you start look, Darren, them. look, look. Kind of looks like a dog. Oh, that's <laughs> He's got nice. the ears, <laughs> and he's got the long snout. I wish. <laughs> We should go back here. Yeah. You got puppy <laughs> cancer, my friend. That's the cutest kind of cancer you can possibly have. So John Tunstall, he knew that he had to protect himself from potentially violent business rivals. The reputation of the house was well known. So John Tunstall specifically hired ranch hands that were as good with the gun as they were with a rope. Mm. And that's not all that uncommon for the time and place. Oh, yeah. But since Tunstall hired young men who were willing to kill or be killed as a part of their everyday duties, his employees were a little rough around the edges, which meant that Billy the Kid fit in perfectly with John Tunstall's outfit. And, and honestly, he, it's an incredible tapestry. Emilio Estevez. Matt Dillon. <laughs> You've got the other right. guy. I remember Charlie Matt Sheen. Dillon. It's not, yeah. it's not Matt Dillon. It's Dermot Mulrooney. I thought Matt, Matt Dillon's not in that, too. Matt Dillon's not in it. No, it's it's Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez, Lou Diamond Phillips. Lou Diamond Dermot Phillips. Mul yeah, yeah, yeah. Plays Chavez y Chavez. Yeah. All right. And that's another reference to Young Guns. I mean, this is what I have. From the early 90s. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it if it helps, I can also I can attach certain people when we talk about them. I can attach a fucking late '80s heartthrob to that person if it helps our listeners. Thank you. Live from your grave. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year, thinking about 
her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right. Give the moms in your life an aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional and we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, the thing about Billy the Kid is that when John Tunstall dropped the horse theft charges and offered him a job on his ranch, Billy took the chance to go straight because he, like almost everyone in Lincoln County, liked and trusted John Tunstall immediately. Mm. Well, see, Tunstall was the first person to give Billy and the rest of these juvenile delinquents a future. 
although the Tunstall Ranch wasn't quite as lost boyish as one might think from watching some of its cinematic interpretations. Whatever. <laughs> it is funny. No, it was difficult work. It was like yeah. you had to do all the horse rustling. And oh, it was, dude, it was horrible. Well, also, that's what I mean. It, well, what I mean is that it's not all juvenile delinquents. It's not no. like it's not like it is like these young men are all running from something here. We need to get everyone yes, needs to come no. together and read and write. Like it's not that like quite like that. Yes, because yeah, Terran Stamp has that. It's that whole scene in Young Guns where he's been like. Now we do our reading lessons. All right, boys. <laughs> he's like, no, he's teaching them all to read. And be like, that did not happen. <laughs> Definitely did not happen. Lost Boys. That's Peter Pan. Reminds yeah. me of the movie Hook. They uh, were all fantasizing, and then they had food appear on the table, and not one of them uh-huh. fantasized about someone carving up a ham or no. a roast beef. The food they fantasized about sucked. It was Where's for kids. the tacos? Where's the pizza? It's, it's it kids. Children. They don't know. It was pudding. It was, mo- it was yeah, mostly they, pudding. But they could have fantasized any food. And they didn't put any naked woman in there? <laughs> Or one naked man they could all suck on if they wanted to. You know what I mean? You've perverted it. I'm just saying, if you're going to put a lot of things in this scenario, you cast it. I was attempting to make more of a reference to pizzas or tacos, and you brought up young boys sucking on old men. I I was on your side, Vin. I I stuck with pudding, although it is a very sexual food. It's not. <laughs> All right, can we go on? It's disgusting. The little insight the we get quilt. into your love life. This is the day quill talking. So gross. Either way, Tunstall's employees learned how to be proper cowboys together. They formed a strong bond, both between each other and with John Tunstall. And John Tunstall, piece by piece, managed to acquire four thousand acres of land Whoa. on the Rio Feliz for his cattle outfit. 4,000 acres, you know, that's not a fucking, that's not a small plot. Think of this, one acre is about uh, 1.3 football fields. So it's pretty big fucking spread. Yeah. Well, he came for money. So this was like his father gave him money, it seems, to like, that was like the seed money he had to come. And basically, because of the famous sentence he says that every Wild West historian says, being like, I plan to make 50 cents on every dollar made in Lincoln County, father. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, of course... John Tunstall getting a foothold here in Lincoln County. This was unacceptable to James Dolan and Lawrence Murphy, mm-hmm. aka the House. Because James Dolan was five foot two of yes. pure rage. He was five foot two as well. <laughs> scary. Yeah, That's very the, scary. I don't mess with the little ones, dude. No, because he would pop off. Exactly. Yeah. Now, besides just the threat Tunstall's outfit was to the house's business, there were also old world grudges playing out right here in America. See, Murphy and Dolan were perhaps not surprisingly Irish Catholics who'd made their fortunes in America through grit, determination, and violence. And John Tunstall was a newly arrived Englishman who'd been born wealthy. Now, Tunstall saw this whole thing as regular business competition. It's healthy. Fair's- it's healthy to the market. <laughs> Everybody should love his diversity. Yeah, fair is fair. Mm-hmm. But to Murphy and Dolan... This was just another example of the Englishman mm-hmm. coming to take yep. the Irishman's land and grind them under his boot hill like he'd been doing for centuries. And I won't stand for it. <laughs> I won't stand for it, man. Yeah. That's typical. That is a typical Irish-English feud. Yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. See, like Billy the Kid's mother, Murphy and Dolan had grown up in rural Ireland during the Great Famine. Mm. Now, we can't get into the history of the fucking potato famine. All right. But all you need to know. Can I tell you the only thing I know about it? (laughs) What? The only thing they had to eat was potatoes. 
That's not actually true. It was a potato. All right. Holy fucking shit. Now we that get was... a le- how many emails? Well, I'm going to was... leave it in. I'm going to leave it in to say <laughs> we need to leave it in, but just the emails no, were going to. No, there was a was blight on there was a blight on potatoes. Is that, that that's the whole thing about it being uh it, they actually had nothing to eat but potatoes. That was people that were trying to uh, muddy up history. See? Um it's one of those things it where it's like, oh, I, yeah, it was it, it worked because they did it was a potato blight that came that's in. That's why I brought it up. All you need to know is that the potato famine was made much worse than it had to be by British policies. Mm. Therefore, Murphy and Dolan were what were what you might call a little oversensitive to an Englishman gaining a foothold in their backyard, and their actions leading up to the Lincoln County War would reflect that animosity. Now, the opening salvo of the Lincoln County War is by far the most complicated because Murphy and Dolan tried to bury John Tunstall and his associates with shady legal maneuvering before they resorted to murder. And for that, I give them credit. <laughs> I mean, that was, they didn't it's go right all, to the gun, I guess. It is still all highly illegal. It's all highly shady and it's all highly corrupt. But yeah, to their credit, they didn't just go and shoot him in the fucking head. No, okay. they used jurisprudence. Jurisprudence. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, James Dolan wanted his hands on an insurance policy payout that had been set up by local attorney Alexander McSween. And remember, McSween was a close friend of John Tunstall's. He was one of two guys who'd helped John Tunstall get started in New Mexico. And remember that name, Alexander McSween. He's going to be a very important figure in all this. Yes, and Alexander McSween was, he's a lawyer. He's a normal guy, pacifist. He didn't have a gun or anything. He didn't like to fight. That wasn't his shit. But he had a personal beef against James Nolan. Speaking of beef, even though it's kind of funny because they're in the beef business. (laughs) But um, he saw, he knew, he had worked he had worked for James Dolan for mm. a period of time, and he knew the whole inner workings of the house. So he, oh. he was helping uh, Tunstall to, with inside information to help him outmaneuver the house. All right. So to get a hold of this insurance money, James Dolan got a corrupt judge to issue a sham warrant for Alexander McSween's arrest on charges of embezzlement, which was Dolan's first step towards, quote-unquote, legally seizing everything McSween owned. And since the Lincoln County Sheriff, William Brady, was a pawn of the house, McSween was arrested and jailed in Las Vegas, New Mexico. Now, John Tunstall and Alexander McSween were not business partners, but they were certainly friends. So when McSween was arrested, Tunstall came to his defense publicly. I shall write a strongly worded letter. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, Tunstall wrote an open letter in the local paper accusing James Dolan and Sheriff Brady of embezzlement themselves. Whoa. Yeah. And he just bought a newspaper. He put a reflective thing in it. It was just a mirror. And he's just like, (laughs) "Mm, the criminal doth see himself in the advertisement, doesn't he? (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. that. And isn't the embarrassment alone punishment? (laughs) It kind of is, man. I remember when time made you. The person oh, of the year so with the easy. mirror. It was me. It was yeah, me. Wow. wow. Yeah. I don't feel like it. No, definitely not. Well, people didn't come out in public against the house. They were just too fucking powerful. And Tunstall taking out this newspaper article, one, it was an affront to their power, and two, he was placing himself right in the middle of the fight, and it opened himself to attack from Dolan's outfit. Now, Dolan and his dirty little judge were under the false assumption that Tunstall and McSween were business partners. So the judge took the whole thing a step further by issuing a writ of attachment that included both McSween and Tunstall. Essentially, this writ 
demanded that all of McSween's and Tunstall's property, including McSween's law office and Tunstall's cattle and store, be turned over to the county, where it would no doubt magically somehow end up in the hands of James Dolan. Wow. But so, Dolan formed a posse to enforce this bogus writ, and he recruited corrupt law enforcement officials, including Sheriff Brady, as well as local gang members like Billy the Kid's former pal, Jesse Evans. That's got to be fun. Like yeah. the day that you get to be, you're, you're in an informal gang, and then you get to be turned into an official police officer yeah, for the day. Yeah, it's a good day. Like, because we're going to see this come up. With the main crew that we're going to be talking about. But that's got to be like, because then you're just like, man, I can legally shoot people. Well, then you say, I'm bona fide. <laughs> I'm bona fide. <laughs> I'm bona fide. And the days leading up to the first shot of the Lincoln County War, the Dolan faction and the Tunstall faction had a few small skirmishes, including one where Billy stood outside of the seized Tunstall store and called every man inside a cowardly son of a bitch. You Whoa. all suck. Whoa. You suck and you're dumb and your boss is short and you smell. How about that? Oh, it's a good time to be in the corner of the bar sipping your whiskey. Be like, it's going to be an interesting day today. <laughs> yeah, this is a good time for town gossip, too. Definitely. Uh, but the true start of the Lincoln County War was February 18th, 1878, when Tunstall and some of his crew, including Billy the Kid, took nine horses to Lincoln to sell them before the bogus posse snatched them up. And as it turned out, they were right to try and sell. That same day, Dolan's posse, about 40 strong, arrived at the Tunstall Ranch for those nine horses. And when they found Tunstall and the horses already gone, about 14 men peeled off to run him down. Later that day, Tunstall, Billy, and the rest of the crew were making their way down a narrow canyon when Tunstall's boys spotted a flock of wild turkeys. <laughs> Unable to resist chasing them, which is... <laughs> <laughs> it, which is, it's a lot of fun to chase wild turkeys. Are they, they run Marmaduke? Would he be unable to resist chasing the turkey? He like, is still, oh, he is can't. Billy the Kid. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, no, he still wants to chase a turkey if he gets a chance to. <laughs> it's and it's all of them. It's the dog from Up? What is <laughs> happening? <laughs> it's, all, it's a lot of fun to chase wild turkeys because they look funny <laughs> when they're running away, and they run, but they can run pretty fast, and it's really fun to chase them around. I just love that you, you frame it like Charlie Sheen in a heroin den Try not to get high. It's, it's so like, funny. Oh, I gotta see the turkey. Oh, I gotta see him wobble. <laughs> but, you know, because of the wild turkeys, Billy and the rest, they took off and they left Tunstall all alone. It's like when and I'm in the car as we were driving through Nebraska, I'm like, horses. Fuck <laughs> his horses. It is exciting. And in a cruel twist of fate, Dolan's posse caught up to Tunstall just as Tunstall's only means of protection rode off to play grab ass with a bunch of wild turkeys. Oh, no. And so, after a short argument about the nine horses, the foreman of Dolan's ranch, Buck Morton, pulled his rifle. He then shot John Tunstall squarely in the chest, causing him to fall out of the saddle. Another member of the posse then got off his horse and shot John Tunstall in the head just to make goddamn sure he wasn't alive but you know what in the old west that's how you've officially become an american citizen double tap so didn't he die yeah. an american man when you shoot a british man in the head or when you if you get shot in america you are officially a united states citizen <laughs> <laughs> 
Knowing that they were outgunned, Billy and the rest rode off to fight another day, while Dolan's men killed Tunstall's horse and carefully arranged the corpses of the animal and the man to appear as if they were taking a nap together because they thought it was funny. Now, if they, I feel like in a way, if this was a fair fight, there was a way they maybe could have avoided the following war, right? The way that they could have fought, but they made it personal. Yeah, it right. seems yes. very it, personal. It got very, very personal. And when it comes down to it, Billy the Kid, in a way, and these guys, they had affection for Tunstall. Like, they, they liked Tunstall. And then they desecrated his corpse, which yeah. at the time, still, I remember, yeah. like, we're all eight. We're, times were ancient until 1975. They could have <laughs> gone with a, a, a Tunstall Duncan. A Tunstall Duncan? And uh, carved up the uh, horse's stomach and then placed him inside of there. Yeah, if this was Saw. If this yeah. was Saw, Back <laughs> to the Future 3, like, mix up. Yeah. <laughs> and it was with the murder of John Tunstall that the Lincoln County War began. Woo! Or sad. <laughs> now, Billy the Kid had only known John Tunstall for about three months, but Tunstall was also the first person who'd ever placed any faith in Billy. So, at Tunstall's wake, as Billy looked down at the body, he swore that he was going to get at least some of Tunstall's killers before he himself died. Mm. And it was a promise that Billy the Kid was very quickly going to keep. You really wow. see in this story, because the first episode was definitely Billy the Kid as a scamp. And he is yeah. this kind of like lovable rogue that's kind of, he starts like his origin story of being a super slippery little baby criminal. Yeah. But this is when he becomes a fucking desperado. Oh, and yeah. like Bill, Billy the Kid, like, it's kind of surprising to me how dangerous he would become and how good of a fighter he would mm-hmm. become. He has a little righteous indignation at this point. So he feels validated, right? That he feels extremely righteous in what he's about to do, oh, yeah. uh, because he, for him, he places loyalty above all. And mm-hmm. the man who, uh, the the first man who ever uh, reciprocated that loyalty, John Tunstall, had been killed unjustly. Right. Uh, so therefore, all of the rage and the violence that is within Billy the Kid, he now has permission to let oh, it yeah. loose. And nothing's I, like a child who has like that, because kids have that sociopathic like version of idealism yeah. where it's like in his mind. Cause now it's like, now I'm this war's going now we're yeah. doing this shit. And because he feels validated now, yeah. he feels permission to do all sorts of fucked up shit. And I do oh, there's a push- reason why we send 18 year olds out to war. Yeah. And Billy, I, the kid's 17. I have to push back a little bit, Marcus. I don't think he held loyalty above all. I think just above loyalty was chasing them turkeys. Oh, he, I mean, it seems <laughs> like it. Yes. Cause he left his post for a second. Yeah. One second. I, I don't know, man. You just got to play grab ass sometimes. I know it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's I got true. yelled at it all the fucking time when I was a kid. Yeah. Quit playing grab ass. God damn it. Stop being so goddamn cute. Stop playing fucking grab ass. And I know mm. that, but that's the thing you're supposed to fucking play grab ass sometimes in life. Sometimes you got to do it. Yeah. 16 year old. Does it need to be like a stern father like figure on a horse? <laughs> you know what I mean? If they could, you can still play. But child, the child thing. <laughs> Billy the Child. I mean, I guess it was before Pokemon Go. They really did have to find turkeys, and turkeys are kind of mythical creatures. This is really before Pokemon Go. (laughs) Yes, it was. All right. Now, the posse that had killed John Tunstall had done so on orders that had come from Sheriff Brady. But Sheriff Brady himself was not present on the day that John Tunstall was murdered, nor was James Dolan present. These Hmm. were men, like, these men gave orders and had the lower downs do their dirty work. Oh, yeah. But since the sheriff was the one who gave the direct order to kill an innocent man, and since most officials in Lincoln County were in Dolan's pocket, trying to get justice for Tunstall's murder through regular means 
was out of the question. But luckily for the Tunstall crew, there was still one government official in the town of Lincoln who wasn't allied with James Dolan. That was the Justice of the Peace, and he quickly formed a panel that delivered a verdict of homicide for the posse who killed John Tunstall. But the warrants themselves were useless if there was no one to serve them, and Sheriff Brady sure as hell wasn't going to do it himself. So the Justice of the Peace turned to Dick Brewer, the foreman for John Tunstall's ranch. The J.P. deputized Brewer, and Brewer in turn deputized 15 other men who were also former employees of John Tunstall, including Billy the Kid. These former cowboys (laughs) then dubbed themselves... The regulators. Regulators. <laughs> that is amazing. It's like a it's like um a pyramid scheme of power. Honestly, <laughs> it's kind of weird. It's also a formation vaguely of the form of like an old west version of the Avengers. These well, guys no, are ready I mean, to go. These no, are that's what it is. Man. They took their name, the regulators. They didn't come up with regulators themselves. They took the name regulators from like the popular dime novels of the day. It would be like if a modern gang today like named themselves the X-Men. Cool. But, Whoa. That would be yeah. cool. <laughs> and they were all like one was psychic and but sensitive, and one man could make ice, and the other man couldn't open his eyes. Yeah. It's too dangerous. That would be fun. No matter where the name came from, the regulators, wearing badges, one and all, they set about the task of finding justice for their former boss. And honestly, their, to- their tale is also told completely and accurately in Billy Joel's Ballad of uh, Billy the Kid. And um, But yeah, I will say, according to some of these YouTube comments, Billy Joel's piano is a certified illegal weapon of mass destruction. The destruction of war and violence. Billy Joel has brought so much happiness into my life, and without them, I would still be in a horrible, the dark, horrible place I was in. Oh. Billy, you are a god. In every way. (laughs) Wow, Billy Joel saving lives. (laughs) Now, the regulators were led in the field by Tunstall Ranch foreman Dick Brewer. And if it makes you, if if it keeps it straight in your head, Dick Brewer was played by Charlie Sheen in Young Guns. He's the older one, the wizened one who's now, he's he's a little bit aged beyond his years. He's 23, so he's been a regulator for, he was a ranch hand for a period of time. Yes, he's the one that's a ballet. Yeah. He comes from a long line of Dick Brewers, which is a horrible way to make beer. Yeah. <laughs> very salty. Yeah, very salty. Uh, Alexander McSween, and if you want to use that, uh, you know, if you want to keep that straight in your head, that's uh, Terry O'Quinn. You know, John Locke from Lost. Yes. He plays Alexander McSween in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alexander McSween, whose false embezzlement charge started this whole affair, he was still in the mix as well. It's pretty mm. much Dick Brewer and Alexander McSween given all the orders here. McSween became sort of the de facto boss when Tunstall was murdered. Yeah. See, McSween had fled town soon after Tunstall's death, fearing the same fate might befall him. But he always stayed close enough to Lincoln to give his input as to how this war might be brought to an end. And McSween would indeed see the last day of the Lincoln County War. Rise from your grave. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I- I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine. And it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people 
have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Ah, Jules. Oh, Jules. Make a wife smile today. The road to getting engaged can be long and full of memories and pitfalls and landmines. Or it can be short and thrilling, like a roller coaster on the way to the police department. But the road to finding the perfect engagement ring is a straightforward path every time. All you've got to do is head over to BlueNile.com and they're going to ship them rocks straight to your wife's new fingers. On BlueNile.com, you can create a bigger, more brilliant piece than you can imagine. At a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler, Blue Nile is the original online jeweler since 1999. That's present time to me. Their diamond price guarantee means that in most cases, they can meet or beat a competitor's price on a comparable diamond. I know when I got my wife a beautiful Blue Nile necklace, the first thing she did was, what did you do? But afterwards, she was so happy to have it and she loved it and she wore it when we went on vacation and modern did everybody come around being like where'd you get that piece you beautiful woman and I was like stop talking to my wife she's spoken for you can see it with the blue Nile bling she's got on her right now get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more with code last podcast at blue Nile.com that's $50 off with code last podcast at blue Nile.com blue Nile.com No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly. You know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at 4 o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right? I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right? My job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there 
And oh man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Now, the regulators soon picked up more men for their cowboy army because everyone hated James Dolan and everyone liked John Tunstall. So by July of 1887, the regulators had 60 men at their command. Damn. But the only person out of those 60 who was involved in every major battle, skirmish, or gunfight from beginning to end was Billy the Kid. Cause I'm wanted, wanted, <laughs> dead or alive. Once again, I would prefer alive if possible. Thank you. Now, what made the Lincoln County War particularly violent was that both sides believed themselves to be the law. And technically, both sides actually were the law. It is very confusing. Because <laughs> yeah. anybody could be the law if you have a badge at this time period. It yeah. seems like Lanyards all... have always been very important. I know the power of a lanyard. <laughs> On one side, you had Sheriff Brady, who was an elected official, who deputized men himself. He was backed by James Dolan. On the other side, you had the regulators and you had Billy the Kid. They were also legally deputized, but they were deputized by a justice of the peace who had just as much power as the fucking sheriff. And really, <laughs> all this tells you is just how vague of a concept the law really was in the Old West, especially in a place like New Mexico. Because New Mexico at this point, it's still a territory under United States jurisdiction, but not yet a state. Hmm. It's like a being a fiance. Don't mm. count unless you're married. You know what it comes down to wow. it? You got to yeah. get through that period. It's, yeah, at this it's point, called the, the Chapel Perilous. Mm -hmm. New Mexico, not not a girl, not yet a woman. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> right in the middle. Right there. Well, as a result of this vagueness, the law itself completely broke down in Lincoln County during the war. And the only thing anyone with a badge concerned themselves with was killing other people who were also wearing badges. Oh, now, ostensibly, the regulators existed solely to arrest and incarcerate the men who had directly participated in the murder of John Tunstall. So, they started with the man who had fired the first shot into John Tunstall's chest. That man was Buck Morton. On March 6th, 11 regulators encountered five riders that included Buck Morton and members of the boys. After the regulators chased Morton and his cohorts for miles, firing over a hundred rounds of ammunition without hitting anything, <laughs> Morton's horse gave out. Exhausted, the horse tripped and took down the horse of a boy's gang member as well. Oh, no. After Morton and his cohort surrendered, Billy the Kid immediately wanted to kill them both because he knew the corrupt Sheriff Brady would just set them free. It was a scene out of a movie where he like pulled the gun. They were there. They, they, got, they got him. They were about to like attach him to the horses, however they were going to transport him. And he pulls out his gun and they all grab him. And they're like, no, Billy, no, no, no. And he's <laughs> been like, he killed my English father. Uh -oh. He killed my English father. And they're like, no, Billy, no. We're regulators now, bro. <laughs> we gotta do this on the legal side, bro. And it's like... <laughs> no, it's Dick Brewer. Like, Dick Brewer says, uh, Billy, we're the law now! You know, and he took his deputation Damn. very seriously. He okay. insisted, we're the law, and we should act as such. Therefore, Dick Brewer said, our only job is to take Morton and this other guy back to Lincoln, and then the system's gonna take over from there. And then our job is done. But he, well, what was his time? 
my day will come. Yeah. Wow. Now, this Billy, is scary stuff. Now, Billy acquiesced in the argument eventually. But while the regulators were on their way to Lincoln, with these two prisoners in tow, the posse was joined by a man named Bill McCloskey. Bill McCloskey, he had worked for John Tunstall briefly, but he was also friends with Buck Morton, mm. the man who had shot John Tunstall. There's a lot of people stuck in the middle in the Lincoln County War. Because there's a lot of grays in New Mexico. There's a lot mm -hmm. of people working on various sides because everyone, like you said in the beginning, are like, they're just trying to make it. So yeah. it's hard because you have personal alliances and then you have business alliances. And you have to try to see when your business alliances turn deadly. Are you willing to stake your personal alliances on the grounds for money? On the counts for money, on the counts for holdings, or is it about brotherhood? Also, it was kind of cool. You said the sentence, there's a lot of grays in New Mexico, and this is not a UFO episode. See, I know, well, honestly, I will bring that up again, though, later in the future. It's pretty actually, good. New Mexico, still... the land of enchantment. Yeah, it is. what they call it, the land of enchantment. Hufflepuff. <laughs> now, there are conflicting stories as to what happened next, but according to what Dick Brewer later said, Buck Morton managed to grab McCloskey's pistol, and then Buck Morton used that pistol to shoot his friend before he tried riding off with the other prisoner. Mm -hmm. Buck Morton and the other prisoner made it about 400 yards before the regulators cut down both men, shooting Buck Morton nine times and the other prisoner five. Wow. Then, as Buck Morton lay dying, Billy the Kid got off his horse to watch the light go out of Buck's eyes up close. You killed my English father. <laughs> Wow. Now, now watch you turn into shit. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Afterward, Billy couldn't have been happier. He was quoted as saying that he never meant to let them birds reach Lincoln alive. And that statement was the beginning of Billy the Kid's reputation as a cold-blooded killer who never took prisoners. Damn. All right. He sounds like a really cool character. Don't take some <laughs> shit from anybody. No. Yeah. Now, this double killing of two murderers came to be known somewhat dramatically as the Blackwater Massacre. It was no doubt inflated by newspapermen who were in the pocket of James Dolan. Yeah, I don't think it, you, you can't have uh, two. It was just two people just shot two and people, killed. Yeah. That ain't a massacre. Nah. Not by American standards. But each one of these <laughs> chapters of this war get blown up because you yeah. have all of these people are also fighting through mass media as mm -hmm. well. Yes, through yeah. the print and press. And this would also be the beginning of the end of the regulator's legitimate authority. It did mm. not last long. Dang. No. See, James Dolan began calling in favors from New Mexico Territory Governor Samuel Axtell, who is said to be both dimwitted and pompous. Yeah, you can do whatever you like, Mr. Dolan, and I appreciate <laughs> that um, we have this meeting, and um, actually, oh, I'm not wearing any pants. <laughs> That's oh. a perfect impression of a <laughs> shitty politician. <laughs> well, following Dolan's request, Governor Axtell voided both the deputizations of the regulators and the warrants issued for the men who had assassinated John Tunstall. In other words, the regulators no longer had any official authority. And so they, respecting authority, yeah. they dropped all their guns. Sure. Um, Billy could actually go on to become a maid of a house. Nice. He had a lovely maid. These two families. It was a father with three kids. Yeah. And he got divorced from them. I believe the mother died. And then he got married to another woman. She had three daughters. She had three daughters. <laughs> and they all moved in together. And then he became sort of a fun, sassy maid. And I think that they were oh. all having sex with him. Isn't that wild? Isn't that no. crazy? Losing their lawful status didn't change a goddamn thing. 
They still had a stack of warrants to serve, and they were going to serve them, come hell or high water. But it seems like this removal of legitimacy pushed some of the regulators, including Billy the Kid, Mm into even more lawless territory. Oh yeah, cuz we don't got to be we don't got to pretend to be cops no more. They're untethered, yep. they're free. Yeah, I mean it's not like the regulators were a military unit who moved as one single organism. These guys split up and reunited again and again, and it was during one of these periods when Billy the Kid was split off from the more level-headed Dick Brewer that Billy made a decision that changed the tenor of the Lincoln County War. Now, it was Billy's opinion that ultimately the man who should pay the price for John Tunstall's death was the man who gave the direct order. Mm-hmm. So Billy and five other regulators went about the business of taking out Sheriff William Brady. Damn. Now, we're not sure if Billy and the others were planning to kill Brady on the day they attacked or if this was a spur of the moment decision. But what we do know is that when the opportunity presented itself, Billy and the others struck. What I have come to know about Billy the Kid of the watching the documentaries and reading the two books, it seems to be Billy the Kid was not a necessarily great planner, but he was one of the smartest off the cuff criminals at the time. Sounds like a doer. He's, Maybe not a planner, that's but a doer. He's, he's a, a leader. That, he was a leader and he saw opportunities and he took them whenever he could. A lot mm-hmm. like Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> That was actually staged. Too. It? Uh, it turned out all of that was re Don't it was reproduced. Don't yeah, ruin yeah, stuff yeah, for it's me. really yeah. very sad. Yeah. Well, on April 1st, 1878, in the middle of the day, Sheriff Brady and four of his deputies were walking past John Tunstall's old store. Unbeknownst to them, six regulators, including Billy the Kid, were in a corral out back hiding behind an adobe wall. Mount up. Yeah, 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 that's actually from Young Guns. Yes, yeah. yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. You can't be clear... no geek off the street. <laughs> what? I'm not a yeah. geek. Yeah, you gotta know, get clean. You gotta know you still know what I mean. Earn your keep. Earn your keep. Don't worry. Yeah. At some point, there's gonna be a whole geek squad, and we're really gonna be cool. <laughs> we'll be cool geeks, and people are gonna call us. They, they would like they be want us to come over. Each one systematically shot in the head by Billy the Kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not all right. Now, these six regulators have been given explicit instructions to not touch Sheriff Brady. Whatever you do, don't fuck with Brady, because if they killed an elected official, all of their credibility would melt away. Mm. But as we know, Billy the Kid never much cared for credibility. And also, he's a 17-year-old kid with a gun and a righteous cause. Many guns, not just a gun. That was a lot of guns. Yeah, many, 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 many guns. He could use that gun rack that Wayne's girlfriend gave him in the Range <laughs> <Yes>. World. <laughs> yeah. So when Brady and his four deputies walked down the street past the corral, the regulators stuck their rifles through the gun ports built into the adobe wall and opened fire. Wait, That's... hold on a second. They just had holes in the wall so you could put guns in them? It was their windows. Gun ports. No, it was windows for the adobe. They would build houses out of no, adobe. The... They were specifically gun ports, you know, in case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This right. happened a lot. Well, I yeah, guess. I mean, you might have. I mean, you might have a raid. You might. You might have a, a Native but American no point, tribe coming but, in and trying to fucking murder all of you because you murdered a lot of them, and so yeah. they're now trying to yeah, come and murder you. I so, just yeah. feel like if I was there and everyone was drilling holes in the wall to place guns in, I would also say, but then they can put the guns in too, and then we're just going to be sitting in here like it's difficult to shoot through. Not, not a lot of people had any accuracy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, and also like you know, this is not that long after you know, like the Texas War for Independence. Like this is a time where. 
when, you know, you could conceivably think like a war might break out here any fucking moment. It might have nothing to do with me, but God damn it. Right. I got to be, be I got to be ready to defend what's mine. It kind of. Um, yeah. It seems to explain the mentality going forth, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's the mentality of everyone trying to fight for a seat on Southwest Airlines. Yep. <laughs> Oh no! The entire the entire Southwest and Texas, in particular, are still living their lives by old West mentalities that do not apply to uh, the modern world, and that's uh, partly why they're so fucked up. Fantastic. But that's just me. That's just a native's opinion. That's it. Okay. That's his opinion. That's his opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, since these boys were aiming specifically for Brady, he was the first to go down, and Deputy George Henman went down with him. The other three deputies, however, fled for cover in nearby houses. Now, Sheriff Brady attempted to rise from the ground after he was wounded multiple times. But before he could get on his feet, the regulators pumped him full of lead. Woo. And they ended the life of the man they blamed for the death of their beloved boss with 12 bullets. Just cut to the other sheriff deputies, one with the little lampshade over his head, standing really still. <laughs> one guy just on all fours being like, do I look like a table? There's going to be a lot of that. <laughs> But that's not to say this is a clear-cut cinematic moment where the evil villain dies and the hero rides away clean. Mm -mm. See, at this point, Deputy Hinman was still alive. Mm -hmm. And when a saloon owner named Ike Stockton tried pulling him into safety just because it was the right thing to do, Stockton was shot and killed by Damn. one of the regulators for helping the enemy. Oh, you the can't kill the barkeep! Regulator's yeah. gonna regulate, man. When it comes uh. down to the genie's out of the fucking lamp, the dick is out of the pants. These guys are doing whatever <laughs> it takes now. They, it's they're only they're desperados. All right. Yeah. The gunplay was so intense that, in a crazy coincidence, the justice of the peace who had deputized the regulators in the first place was shot in the ass sideways <laughs> through both cheeks as he was bent over working in his garden. That is, is he Ziggy Stardust? Yeah, How big was his ass? I don't know, but he definitely got turned into a periscope. It's weird that like, you could give him a little look finder between his butt cheeks. You would not believe what happened today, honey. <laughs> look, just blow through this hole. It comes out the other side. What a crappy day. But the point here is that just like gang warfare today, innocent people got caught in the crossfire again and again in the Old West, and they especially got caught during the Lincoln County War. Oh, yeah. This is about to get fucking crazy. Jeez. Yeah. But once the gunshots died down, Billy and another regulator walked over to Brady's body so Billy could replace the Winchester rifle that Brady had confiscated during their first encounter. And he did this knowing that three other deputies were still out there. This arrogance was met with more gunfire. And while Billy was lucky to have just been nipped on his side with a flesh wound, the first of five bullet wounds, by the way, that he'd get throughout his short life, Damn. another regulator was seriously wounded in the thigh. Once the kid and his compatriot limped back to the corral, five out of the six regulators jumped on their horses and rode out of town amidst a hail of bullets, while the wounded regulator, unable to ride, hid underneath the floorboards of John Tunstall's former store until the coast was clear. He was there for like two days, bleeding from a major wound on his thigh, but he got away alive. Damn. It reminds me a little bit of obviously Bonnie and uh, oh, Bonnie and Clyde. It's very similar. And you people wonder, can take body take people can take bullets during this. Yes, because I'm remembering all the horrible things that happened to poor Bonnie. And of course Clyde as well. I do think if Billy the Clay and Clyde got together, that's a super team. 
Uh, one day when we go through the next couple of years when we've covered many of these people because we're going to do a lot more gangster coverage we're going to do a lot more old west uh desperado coverage like all of this stuff it's so interesting we'll put together the super tape yes yeah i would actually say billy the kid was smarter than clyde barrow oh very much so clyde barrow yeah. was uh he was not that effective of a criminal it was <laughs> way more but it, billy the kid though is did he became a legend for a reason all right well, but also like billy the kid also found a niche and he stuck yeah. to it yeah. Now, up to this point, the regulators were looked upon favorably by white New Mexicans because everyone knew what it was like to be under the thumb of people like James Dolan. But after they effectively killed a cop in broad daylight in the mm. middle of the street, the white people of New Mexico turned against them. The Mexicans, however, loved the regulators, and they especially loved Billy the Kid more than ever after he was responsible for the murder of an official that they all knew was a piece of shit. Nice. They saw Billy specifically as the person who was fighting against their enemies in ways that they couldn't. And therefore, it was often Mexicans who gave Billy and the regulators refuge. But even though the regulators were no longer deputized, and even though six of them had murdered an elected official, they still considered themselves to be deputized. Hey, man, it's about frame of mind, man. It yeah. really is. They don't even need Tony Robbins CD. Perception they, is reality, yeah, man. You got a badge, dude. Definitely. Yeah. So Dick Brewer and the regulators continued the process of serving warrants for the murder of John Tunstall. That's kind of almost like it's kind of badass. Right, cool in a way. Shit. I mean, obviously, these yeah. guys are all criminals. We're celebrating these guys because they're not serial killers and this happened fucking 200 years ago. But yeah. when it comes down to it, okay. like, this is one of those things, the idea of, like, having that warrant still, and they're like, we still have the charges right here in our yeah. hands. Like, there's something about that, just, like, using it almost like a sigil. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a gray area, you know, because because there really are there there are two sides here. Like you, I wouldn't necessarily. I mean, I guess the regulators, like you know, you got Dick Brewer on one side uh, that is like, we are still like, damn the fucking law, damn Governor Axel, we're gonna do whatever the fuck we need to do to bring justice to this man because that's what's right. And the other side, you got Billy the Kid, who's like. Uh, all these fuckers need to die, and they need to die at my hands, and they all need to die as soon as possible. Who gives a shit how yeah. it happens? Billy the Kid was the chaos agent. But also when it comes mm. down to this whole scenario is, the way the Old West kind of worked, too, was that if they had won the Lincoln County War, like, let's say they did round it all up, eventually enough time would pass where they would be legitimized. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We're like, yeah. we're still in this place where these states sure. are being made. So if they do win this quote-unquote war, they're the ones in charge. Yeah. Next up was alleged Tunstall murder posse member Andrew Buckshot Roberts. Buckshot Roberts had already figured out that deputization or no, the regulators were still coming to kill him. So he sold his ranch and went to a location called Blazer's Mills to wait for a payment to come by mail so he could leave New Mexico forever. This guy fucked up. Oh, yeah. well, and he's interesting. This is an interesting. I love this story. I this is my this is the, my favorite part of the Lincoln County War is the Buckshot Roberts fight. Now there's actually debate as to whether Buckshot Roberts was actually in the posse that killed John Tunstall, or whether he just worked for James Dolan and had nothing to do with it. Yeah, there's one group that says that he was just there. He wasn't there oh. as a part of it, that he was just an employee and he was just, he did the clerk's defense of like, I'm just working. I'm like, I'm not supposed to be here today. Yeah. yeah. Or that he wasn't even there at all. 
That he wasn't, yeah, some people said that actually there's three camps. There's some people that say he was just there in the posse and did nothing to stop it, so therefore he's guilty. There's others that say he participated in the shooting, therefore he's guilty. Mm. Uh, and then there's others that say, like, no, he was just an employee of James Dolan, and somehow the regulators got it in their head that Buckshot Roberts needed to fucking die. Yeah. Okay. But whether or not he was actually involved, it's never a good idea to fuck with a guy who has a gun-themed nickname. Yeah. Definitely not Unless it's nowadays, because most of the time it just means you fart a lot. <laughs> Buckshot Zabrowski. In, in 1877, you don't definitely don't want to fuck with no. the guy. He, he got the name Buckshot because he got shot. He still had a huge load of Buckshot in his fucking shoulder. <laughs> uh, and he was known as like a grumpy loner. He was kind of a you know buffalo hunter, a bit of a mountain man, or at least a, like a lonely type of guy. Uh, but he was also just known as Buckshot Morton. You don't fuck with him. Sounds kind of cool. It is. Yeah. And the regulators were about to find out that fact for themselves at great cost. Uh-oh. Now, from what I can tell, as it's a little hazy, I think that the confrontation between the regulators and Buckshot Roberts was actually a bit of a coincidence. From what regulators said afterward, Dick Brewer saw Buckshot Roberts approach Brewer's Mills. So Dick sent out a few of his men to convince Buckshot to surrender. But when Buckshot saw that there was a fucking group of heavily armed cowboys waiting for him, he refused to surrender because he knew all about the regulators and he knew that Billy the Kid was riding with him. And he knew Billy the Kid's reputation for shooting and killing anyone who had anything to do with the murder of John Tunstall. This is like John Wick. It is. <laughs> yeah, it's very man. similar. But Buckshot Roger. Buckshot Roberts also, like, it's such a human thing because he was supposed to have already been out of town, but yeah. he came back looking for a check that yeah. was supposed oh, to show up for him. Damn. So that's the whole thing. Like, he was already supposed to be gone, but he was waiting on that freelancer's check. And if you are a freelancer, <laughs> you, you know, know how hard it is to get an invoice fulfilled. And he was waiting on it. And he's like, maybe I'll sneak in and get my shit. Damn. <laughs> no, it was the check for the sale of his ranch. Like, yeah. this is his entire fucking livelihood. And it's at this point on the porch of Blazer's Mills that Buckshot Roberts raised his rifle. He and regulator Charlie Beaudry fired at the same time. And while Beaudry's bullet hit Buckshot in the gut, Damn. Buckshot's bullet, according to legend, ricocheted off Beaudry's belt buckle and accidentally blew off another regulator's trigger finger. That's such a fun <laughs> moment. Just, oh, oh, God, God damn it. Oh, now this is the only finger I needed. <laughs> I mean, we definitely know it ricocheted off his belt. It's uh, The legend part is that it blew off another regulator's trigger finger. Although we do know our another regulator definitely lost his trigger finger in the fight. We just don't know if it was quite as fucking, you know, three stooges as it's portrayed here. Mortally gut shot, Roberts then retreated to a nearby adobe house where he dragged a mattress to the doorway for cover. From that vantage point, he hit one regulator in the lung, seriously wounded another in the leg, and even managed to graze Billy the Kid's arm. Gunshot wound number two. Woo! And that's when Dick Brewer, leader of the regulators from the beginning, decided that it was his time to shine. He took a position 125 yards away, hoping for a vantage point to take out Buckshot Roberts once and for all. What Dick didn't know, however, was that Buckshot saw him coming. Again, both men fired at the same time once Dick came out from behind cover. But while Brewer's shot totally missed, 
Buckshot's bullet hit the leader of the Regulators directly in the left eye, blowing out the back of his skull. Whoa! The presidential death. Yeah. So figuring... So the Regulators figuring that they'd already lost enough and knowing that Buckshot's gut wound would most likely kill him anyway, they rode off, leaving behind the body of Dick Brewer at Blazer's Mills, where Buckshot Roberts would also die from his gut shot the following day. If you ever read To Hell on a Fast Horse, the breakdown of this fight is also really cool because, like, Billy the Kid was such a daring motherfucker. Because Bugshot Roberts obviously knew what the hell he was doing. I guess they would, go, like it. they would go on to call him, that they said that he was the bravest man that anybody had ever seen. Like, this this, this moment where it's like, he just took him, like, he took on the regulators alone. So he has lore around himself as well. Because yeah. of this fight. Well, the but Battle of Blazers Mill like, is actually, some people say that this is the only, like, when you think of the Wild West, this is the only time the Wild West actually happened. Yes, mm. where it was like this, where it was people hiding around, covered, Billy the Kid running around trying to get angles and the other dude they're all like it's it's wild it's cool it's actually mm-hmm. it's interesting now after the battle at blazers mills a grand jury indicted four regulators including billy the kid for the murder of sheriff brady and they indicted six regulators including billy for the murder of buckshot roberts At the same time though the scales of justice were beginning to balance or at least we're trying to so we're just covering the main battles here But by this point, well over a dozen men had been killed in gunfights, small and large, as a result of the Lincoln County War. Because the regulators went full guerrilla style, and they would just go and pick off people, whoever they could get. And Billy, Mm. this is where Billy the Kid's body count would rise, where it's just like, he, we don't know, it's all that thing. We don't know how you attribute who did what to who. Yes. But he was an aggressor. Like, you know that Billy the Kid was an aggressive person. So Mm -hmm. he would point the dude out being like, that's a guy held the saddle for for, uh, downtown Jimmy. And like, they had to go and like kill that guy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, because Billy the Kid's provable body count is four. Uh, But, you know, in these fucking gun battles, who knows who gets the fucking final shot? Like, who knows? Right. It's all a mess. It's the same thing. It's just because it happens so fast. Just pop, 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 pop. Yeah. Yeah. And so Jesse Evans of the boys and James Dolan were indicted for the murder of John Tunstall. But by this point, neither side really cared. For months, gun battles between the warring factions erupted time and again, and both sides forced settlers to shelter and feed them between fights. Eventually, the guy who replaced Dick Brewer as the leader of the regulators, Frank McNabb, that guy was also killed. Yep. By the time the Lincoln County War was coming to a close... Billy the Kid was in charge. Yeah, he was the Kiefer Sutherland. Damn. Oh, Kiefer Sutherland played Doc Spurlock in Young Guns. Yes, but I'm talking <laughs> I'm talking about the Kiefer Sutherland uh, vehicle in the movies where I think he was like the department in the TV show where was I think that, he so, was so the department designated of the treasury. Survivor. You're talking yes, about that designated. Guy. That guy. <laughs> Wait, yeah, but you can't mix up your Kiefer's here because we got Kiefer's in both stories. <laughs> I'm talking about Kiefer Sutherland when he was hammered to that hotel and tackled oh, the Christmas mean, tree. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's my favorite Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> See, it's an interesting one. Well, as we said, Billy was involved in every major battle, and he just kept getting better at fighting every single time. In addition, Billy's friends kept getting killed, and the more of his friends that died, the harder Billy would fight. And really, Billy became the leader of the Regulators just by virtue of staying alive. By the time Billy the Kid got to be in charge, though, events were already set in motion that were bringing the Lincoln County War to an end. 
See, by July of 1878, five months after the war started, Alexander McSween, remember the lawyer from the beginning, Mm -hmm. he was tired of running and tired of fighting. See, he'd gotten word that two puppets of James Dolan, the district attorney and the territorial governor, were being removed from office. So McSween figured now was as good a time as any to return to Lincoln to make a final stand. But as it was, McSween jumped the gun Mm. because his enemy, James Dolan, still had friends in high places. And that indictment that James Dolan had for the murder of John Tunstall, symbolic at best. Mm. Now, Alexander McSween, who, remember, was a friend of John Tunstall and had been participating in the war as an advisor from the beginning, he arrived in the town of Lincoln with 60 regulators, including Billy the Kid. On Dolan's side, there were 40 members of his faction already in Lincoln. Because it was also at nighttime, right? They rolled in. They mm-hmm. rolled in and it was nobody was there yet. So they all shit yeah. and took their positions and it wasn't until the morning. Like They were like, this is it. This Because yeah. this is the last big one. See yeah, people man. closing the doors. Yeah, like, yeah. Look, this is mm-hmm. like, it is. It's, this is Oof. the what the movies are all based on. Get it's the all boys shit. inside. Get inside. Get inside. Yeah. yeah. So both factions settled into buildings that were friendly towards their side. And so began the five-day battle that would end the Lincoln County War for good. It's not like in the movies where it's just like, you know, a bunch of people firing at one house. I mean, it, right. this is fucking guerrilla. It's it's urban warfare right. in the yes. Old West. Because yes. the goal was, in their minds, they're like, we'll take it, this town house by house by house. Like, what we'll do is we'll just Ooh-wee. kill and move, kill and move. Find out who our allies are as we're going and build up. And so that eventually, like literally, we will just occupy enough homes in this town where we will be in charge. Just cut to the one guy being like, I just moved out here so I could have a bakery. Um, This is different (laughs) than I expected it to be. I was going to actually specialize in croissant um, because I didn't think there was enough croissant around. Yes, it was a dearth of croissants, Uh. but now apparently... I am a corpse. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, there is going to be one of those guys. It's so fucking sad. sad. (laughs) Now, for the first four days, the two warring factions exchanged sporadic gunfire from their fortifications. And they only managed to hit men on the opposing sides a couple of times. This isn't... These are amateur armies. These are guys with training. Not really. In other words, it was somewhat of a stalemate. But Dolan's men knew they were outnumbered. So it was only a matter of time before the regulators figured out a way to overtake them. So James Dolan contacted an army colonel he knew of named Nathan Goldlace Dudley, so named because he was overly fond of accessorizing his uniforms. Yeah, he's calling in the fucking <laughs> army. He's yeah, like, we're going to have the he's army. Calling go- the fashion police. It is. <laughs> they do look like the fashion police when they show up. And the pictures of Goldlace are really, really funny because he does look, he looks like Louis the Fourteenth. <laughs> It is really I mean, weird. Like soldiers they, don't get enough respect for love and flair. Some yeah. and, and Texans as well, yeah, and, and right. uh, New Mexicans. There's a lot of flair. It is interesting because it's such a. I just love the fucking the personalities really shine through during this time period. Like it mm-hmm. is weird. There's a lot of individuality. Absolutely. You see, like well, that's one of the good things about America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But getting the army out to Lincoln wasn't an easy sell. So you remember, this is the end of post-Civil War Reconstruction in America, and Congress had just passed the Posse Comitatus Act, BIN, 
Would you like to tell me what the posse comitatus act is? Yeah, if you see a posse, you got to jerk it off. I'm assuming <laughs> I'm assuming it's something to do with not recognizing posses as legal and uh, probably deputizing or creating more of a federal government like an FBI type situation. But I don't really know. It was actually used uh, quite a bit or cited quite a bit last summer. It prevents the use of soldiers for law enforcement purposes. Interesting. Well, that didn't that didn't work out. No. Yeah, and you still got to jerk those guys off. <laughs> yeah. Ten thirty three. Be careful. Yeah, if a militia just shows up, honestly, it'd be better to try to pleasure them until a lull of excitement, and they just like get one guy out there who's willing to suck as many dicks as possible. Whoever wants to suck as many dicks as possible, sure. Get him in no. there, calm them, kill them in their sleep. Isn't no. that something? Well, very that was interesting. Fun. Yeah, Thank they you got for they got me that but, today, Marcus. Oh, of course, but no, they they of course got around that by military militarizing the police instead. Yeah, very easy. Oh yeah, police no, a new military, than... a new occupying force. Yeah, it's but... like it's like we have five armies all at once. <laughs> around us. It is one of the worst things that has ever happened to the country. Yeah, yeah. we just now covered the one of the worst things about our country. Isn't that fun? <laughs> Isn't that nice. Well, Goldlace Dudley found a loophole in the Posse Comitatus Act, and he agreed to come to Lincoln under the idea, we're here only here to protect the women and children. We're not here to participate. We're just here to make sure the women and children are safe. And if we should maybe do a couple of things in the pursuit of protecting those women uh, and children, yeah. then uh, so be it. Especially when we bring Heavy artillery. Yeah. <laughs> to protect the women and children, Dudley arrived with four officers, 11 mounted buffalo soldiers, 24 infantrymen, a 12-pound howitzer, and a fucking Gatling gun. <laughs> yeah, dude. Good and the, Lord. And the regulators, it's really from the inside of these adobe huts where they've been now for days, right? They're mm -hmm. in there. Like, it's a hard time. They have supply lines running it out, but they're getting kind of haggard. And then they, the, the scene of them watching these soldiers march through because the are they on buffalo back are well, they riding no but bu no buffalo soldiers black soldiers so there the were black soldiers buffalo, oh, buffalo, buffalo soldier is a term for uh black uh army soldiers oh. like specifically cavalrymen they were just known to be like the badasses of the badasses well, of they're like special ops i have learned yeah special ops yeah, that. but they would Buffalo come in. Soldier. That's right, because Buffalo soldier, but, you know. No, I got it. I didn't yeah. expect you to do that. I yeah. actually <laughs> like that, though. Thank you for the rendition. Was, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. because they were from Gold Place, <laughs> they were all duded up. So he, they're watching this fancy-ass army roll into town with a Gatling gun behind Jesus. them. And they're all just like, well, things have changed. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like a boss battle, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the Gatling gun wasn't used in the Civil War quite as often as the movies portray, but Gatling gun still had a fearsome reputation, especially if you were a former Confederate soldier. Gatling gun was a Union weapon. Mm. I mean, basically, this is an early machine gun. This thing is capable of firing 3,000 rounds per minute. Woo. And the Army had brought 2,000 rounds. Yeah. So... There. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when the army showed up with a Gatling gun in tow and aimed it toward the main regulator stronghold, 40 of the 60 regulators fled. Yeah. Jesus. Immediately. They hid themselves under blankets and just ran away. And Why they do left. I think that most Old West historians would marry a Gatling gun before a war? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, this left only the most loyal people. And that mm. included... Billy the Kid. Now, Alexander McSween stayed behind, too, because the main stronghold was his home. And this was McSween's fight uh, from begin from start to finish. Yeah, it's a good thing that Billy didn't see any turkeys out the window. He would have yeah. been out of there. <laughs> his wife, Susan, 
Alexander McSween's wife, Susan, even tried going out and talking some sense into gold lace, but there wasn't anything she could say to make him back off. He refused to talk to her because she was a woman. Mm-hmm. Every time she tried saying something to him, he'd say, I don't know what a woman would be doing talking to me in this situation, but I believe you should probably even go back to a kitchen. Send wow. a boy. Yes, he's so, he's so much of a man. He's so straight and manly. Oh, yeah. He can't even talk to a woman. No, I only talk to other big men. Yes. In the shower. I'm so straight. The whole business is done in the bath. (laughs) Well, Susan McSween returned in failure. And soon after, Dolan's men went on the offensive. They lit McSween's house on fire Mm. using coal Mm. oil as an accelerant. And the regulators, they, they managed to put out the flames a few times, but it finally got to be too much to handle. Yeah. Finally, the house caught fire for good, and the remaining regulators were forced to move from room to room in the McSween house to escape the flames. And while the women and children were finally let go, McSween, the kid, and less than a dozen regulators were left to burn or surrender. And Jesus. there was like a moment, there's a very cinematic moment too, because the Gatling gun had to be like moved around. And like, the idea right. of like action movie set pieces where this idea of like, because Billy the Kid is watching this Gatling gun get repositioned again and again. And he's just like, oh, they now are, now I'm, they're coming for me. Now yeah. I'm going to get the now Gatling gun. Now they're aiming at me. Oh no. <laughs> now McSween at this point had lost all nerve. I mean, his entire life is going up in flames. Right. His wife and kids are gone. He doesn't know where the fuck they are. Like it, it said that he just sat there and said, Billy, I have lost my, I have lost my mind. And so, as fucking McSween panicked, Billy the Kid, 18 years old at most, took charge and came up with an escape plan. Two groups would leave under the cover of night, with Billy leading the first and McSween following with the second. The first group also included a law clerk named Harvey Morris, who had moved to New Mexico for his health and had gotten (laughs) caught up in the war through simple bad luck. And Harvey Morris is actually the great-great-great-grandfather of slow-talking Morris. Yes, the Holden Holden McNeely fantastic character that he does. I just wanted to bake some All right, very good. Absolutely fantastic. Did the doctor recommend Harvey go where there's more dust? Why on earth would anyone go to New Mexico for their health? The clean mountain air. Tuberculosis, man. Yeah, you get that. It's that dry dry mountain air. TB? And really, the dust didn't get too bad until the Dust Bowl, which was, Mm. that would be 1877, 60 years after this. Okay. And now you can get a Dust Bowl in uh, West Hollywood. It's actually keto. Oh, isn't that nice? (laughs) Having fun. Well, ironically, when Billy's group burst out of the burning house, Harvey Morris, the man who moved out west for his health, was the only one shot and killed. (laughs) It's kind of like, yeah, I did. I know. Will (laughs) I go to heaven? Just, maybe don't don't talk. Just just die, Harvey. Just want you to just die. Well, the rest of the people in the first group, including Billy, they returned fire, fled into the darkness, and escaped both the army and Dolan's men. 
Ooh. Which is it was hard, man. They were on yeah. the heels of Gatling gunfire. Like they ran. It was it was they said it was a daring escape. Yeah. But Sounds the second, like it. But the second group, which included McSween, they waited too long to make their move. Uh oh. And they were forced to take cover in the yard. At that point, a deputy named Robert Beckwith stepped forward and told the remaining regulators that he was prepared to receive their surrender. And instead, somebody, we don't know who, shot him in the fucking eye. Yeah. Well, that is, is gonna man. that is gonna hurt our chances of survival. Oh yeah. And after Beckwith was killed, the army and Dolan's men, fucking everyone opened fire. And Alexander McSween was gunned down as the physical representation of his dreams went up in flames behind him. He was the Jeez. 25th and last fatality in the five-month-long Lincoln County War. But for Damn. Billy the Kid, while the Lincoln County War was over, so too was any hope he might have had for a normal life. Remember, he's indicted for two murders at this point, Brady oh, yes. and Buckshot Roberts. But on the other hand, seems like Billy the Kid... Didn't want a normal life anymore. No, man. This was the origin story he was begging for. He wanted this. This is why I really do think now we'll see Billy, the true Billy the Kid. I don't want your life. I had to do it. <laughs> yeah, He did, though. He did. He did want that life. But I think really like Billy the Kid's, but what he does next tells you everything about what Billy, how Billy the Kid wanted to be perceived. While the other regulators who escaped, they lit out for pastures where they didn't have to fucking worry about murder warrants. But Billy the Kid, he stayed in New Mexico for the rest of his short life. His role in the Lincoln County War had propelled him to celebrity status. And over the next couple of years, he would become the outlaw's outlaw. By the time of his death, Billy the Kid would be an American legend. And that's where we'll pick back up. For the Woo. conclusion to our series on Billy the Kid. Damn, truly, I can't think of a series that has been more in, in it's informative, 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 informative. Oh yeah, I remember. Uh, the information is absolutely fantastic in this, though. Very interesting. It's real it, thick, but and informative. now it's informative. 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 I talk you, for a living. Yeah. I, informative. If you want to read more about uh, the Lincoln County War, specifically uh, in de- in more detail, uh, in con- and also in wonderful comic book form, the the story of the Lincoln County War by uh, Rick Geary is fucking great. Those of you who love like the big book series uh, out there, uh, Rick Geary did something in like every single one of them. He's fucking fantastic. I met the awesome. guy at Comic Con a couple of years ago and bought it f- directly from him. And he, I talked to him about his research process. Dude lives in New Mexico, awesome. and uh, it's a no like, one very ever very me. well. Research. Anything, young man. No, it must have <laughs> been, honestly, it must have been was, nice for to see Marcus's he was, a smile. He was kind of surprised to get the, the the questions he was getting at New York Comic Con were not the kinds that he was expecting that Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, next episode we are uh, we're really getting into the the actual. Even though we've done two episodes, this is Crazy. next is like the real meat of the Billy the Kid story and what we'd all come to know about Billy the Kid. Pat Garrett, we're gonna run into him. The, uh, this is it's a fascinating part of history. Yeah. I want to thank everybody who has shown us fucking awesome support for our historical. Summers. Oh, we've been yeah. doing that. We have this theme summer. We've been doing history all summer. It's really fun. Yeah, we got we got one more historical series that we're going to do after this, and then we're getting right back into fucking Moida. 
Yeah, I got the uh, yeah. I did the uh, the seance last night for uh, our Patreon members on our Discord server, and like everyone was so ex- insanely sweet uh, about how much they've been loving the history stuff. So awesome. thank you everybody very much uh, for for all your kind words on that. We've been having a, a fucking blast with it. We Absolutely. love this shit. I know yeah. you got me, man. You poisoned me. You history <laughs> yeah, poisoned man, me. I fucking, yeah, that's been my whole fucking goal this whole time is to trick people into learning history. Woohoo! Oh, don't expose it. But oh, yo, we, but listen, we're still, we got weirdo topics coming up too in the yep. mix. There's little tiny little palate cleansers and all this kind of stuff. We're really excited for what we got coming up. We got live shows in Detroit, Columbus, and Cincinnati. That's right. Check that fucking bullshit out. Get- Come on out and see our fucking, see us dance and, and strut and fret absolutely get those tickets also thanks to everyone who came out in milwaukee des moines omaha and minneapolis uh that was just such a fantastic group and we're really enjoying it It is unfortunate we can't hug and touch uh, because of the uh predicament the pickle we're all currently in but the questions that have been asked at the q a have been so wonderful really cool everyone is so sweet and uh, so i just want to thank we want we want to thank everyone for being so thoughtful and uh, for the audiences they could not have been better people are super excited to see you all as we continue on the road this year. People have really been responsible and cool and we're just doing Absolutely. we're doing our thing, man. I'm so yeah, glad man. that we could still live a semblance of normal life during this time period while it is difficult to do. Absolutely. I also want to say don't sleep on no dogs and spun someplace Damn. underneath. There are some shows like right now, because someplace underneath yes. is doing an incredible series right now about human trafficking in Ohio. And they've been doing really honestly some incredible work Absolutely. on that series. Like, so go check it out. They're really hustling. Uh and but listen to all the other fucking shows we're gonna Absolutely. Yeah. Check check everything out here on the last podcast network. You know your favorite shows. Keep on supporting them. And of course, we've buy the big, coffee. Get the, buy the coffee. We have some coffee. big news coming up here yeah, well, in the relatively in near future. So, all right, everyone. Oh, well, thank you. Also, all. Oh, go don't on. forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget to go to your local comic book store and request Soul Plumber issue one. Yes. yes. The cutoff yes. day for that is coming up uh, fairly soon. So go it's ask them now. Ask it them now. Incredible. I can't ask your believe. local comic. Yes, and if you get if you live too far away from a comic book store, that's okay. But you can read it digitally. But if you can go to your local comic book store and support your local comic book store, Absolutely. go and get to know your local comic book guy or gal. There's a lot of Keep really a little bit fucking, of distance. <laughs> there's a lot of really really fucking awesome books going uh, going out right now, like Department of Truth and Ice Cream Man uh, and uh, Immortal Hulk. So go check out some uh, shit at your local comic book store. Yes, I'm so endlessly impressed with everything as far as that comic book. You guys are going to love it, I promise you. All right, everyone. Hope everyone is healthy and happy out there. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Gein. Magustalations. And me. And I tell you what, I'd certainly be quite the desperado. You'd be like, oh. you'd be known as Peach Fuzz Zabrowski Ooh, if yeah, you were in the West. Yeah, old <laughs> human vagina. Human Henry vagina. Zabrowski. Human vagina, Henry Zabrowski. You are. It's a good thing we're ending the episode. I'm in po- I was in Poland. My family <laughs> no, I, was in Poland at the time. No, I got a good old West nickname for you. Pork butt. Because <laughs> you know why? It, you have to treat the meat specially. You tenderize you the meat. Tenderize. <laughs> yeah, my nickname is Tenderizer. <laughs> oh no! This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. 
Ashley High Performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.